Esme. She's a queen. This is dedicated to all my beautiful queens, all my beautiful ladies out there. She's a queen. Go queen. So thank you guys for joining another episode of the Q Chat. Today, my guest is Ms. Alexandra Dostcheva, and she has a new book, and it's entitled, It Really is Simple, A Holistic Approach to Self-Confidence. So we're just going to dive in and talk about her book and also touch on a lot of points on how self-confidence can really lead us to a better life, better relationships, our careers, finances, and everything. So I'm really excited to speak with her. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. So I wanted to also obviously talk about your book. You're also a con- concert violinist. So before we start talking about your book, let's give us a little bit of your background. I know you were also a nurse at one time. So let's get a little bit about your background before we discuss your book. So it's actually the other way around. I was a violinist for 26 years before I decided to go into nursing. I am currently a full-time registered nurse. Oh, okay. um, the violin career was the first career in my life from age mm-hmm. six through 32. And then uh-huh. I uh, went to nursing school. So I'm a nurse now. I have been a nurse for 12 years mm-hmm. and um, investor, options trader, and uh, martial artist, fitness freak, and health maniac. <laughs> so a couple of things. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to, you know, transition from being a musician, a violinist, to being a nurse? Well, my uh, career had plateaued in a way. Um, And in 2006, orchestras in the U.S. started uh, struggling financially, and quite a few of them went bankrupt, including my employer, the Syracuse Symphony Orchestra. They uh, went underwater in 2011. But I decided to go into nursing school in uh, 2008, exactly when the economic crisis hit, because I recognized that... um, I needed to um, get a job that was in demand, that would keep me in demand for as long as I need it. And I also wanted to be useful to society, to feel useful and appreciated with my work. Somehow, um, being a musician for so many years didn't quite get me to feel that I was um, contributing enough to people and their struggles. Um, so this is why I went into nursing. Plus, the career was um, very uh, short-staffed in demand. And I knew that I could get the degree in two or three years. I had spent 11 years in college before I decided to go into nursing because I earned my bachelor's, master's and doctoral degrees in classical violin. So that's a long time in college. And then um, being an orchestra musician and recitals and chamber music, all my life, I knew nothing but music. So I went into nursing in 2008 with prerequisite classes. I had no scientific basis whatsoever, let uh, let alone in English, because I'm an immigrant from Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. And during my 12 years in music school from first to the 12th grade, we focused primarily on music subjects. It was minimal scientific basis at all. Uh, we stopped math in eighth grades. We stopped biology in ninth grade. We never learned chemistry which was a good thing in terms of preparing you for the music world, which is a highly competitive field. But uh, as far as uh, 
giving you knowledge base in any other subjects that are very important, like science classes, it was truly not sufficient. So at age 32, I uh, borrowed an anatomy and physiology book from a friend, colleague, violist, who was also a registered nurse. She was my inspiration. She let me borrow her book. So before the, in the summer of 2008, before I started my anatomy and physiology class, I had read that book from cover to cover 1100 pages four times mm. because I knew I, the terminology in English, the, all the concepts in biology were completely foreign to me. I did the same with my chemistry textbook, my psychology textbooks. I pre-read everything a couple of times before I even started these classes. So um, mm. that was the uh, journey through nursing three years. And then uh, in 2011, I graduated. And ironically, that was the year when the Syracuse Symphony went bankrupt. Mm. I already had a job waiting for me in the ICU upon graduation. Mm. Well, that's great. That's perfect how everything aligns together. So, of course, I do want to talk about your book entitled It Really Is Simple, A Holistic Approach to Self-Confidence. So what inspired you to write the book? And let's talk about how you view self-confidence can be approached in a holistic way. Yeah, uh, self-confidence, I struggled with lack of this uh, for 20 years, over 20 years. It was a personal decision that I made as a child. Because somehow in my culture, it wasn't accepted for you to brag with your success, to have you know high self-esteem. It was viewed as arrogance of some sort, lack of uh, humility. And I took it way too far, unfortunately. And um, in my late teens and early 20s, I developed this very, very uncomfortable stage fright, which uh, impeded me in many ways with my stage performance. And then I brought it here to America also, which didn't help. But when I switched to nursing, I realized that was not an option anymore. I had to step up my, my game and um, develop the confidence and the ability to fight because I had all these four important components, which are what desperation, fear, curiosity, and inspiration. When you have these four factors, that's what teaches you how to persevere through something completely new and unfamiliar. But the book came... Um, I started working on it in January of 2020, ironically, when the pan pandemic started, right? But um, because of questions from patients, investment mentees, uh, peers at the gym, or even strangers at the grocery store, like they see you looking really fit and they ask, hey, how do you stay so fit? How do you do this? How are you so healthy? And you're almost 50 years old and you, know, you don't take any pharmaceutical drugs. And how do you do this with your real estate investments and everything? So um, a system came to mind that uh, I could tell them, well, let's just tell the people how I did that and how I overcame uh, lack of self-confidence and poor self-esteem through learning more and more new stuff and uh, learning to become comfortable with being uncomfortable in order to grow personally and develop all the skills that I was lacking for so many years, like basic life skills. I didn't know how to paint a wall for Pete's sake. Um, mm -hmm. When we got out of our first investment property, it was a fourplex. I bought a fourplex even before we had our first house, which my boyfriend ended up buying a year and a half after I got the fourplex. And when we got out of this apartment that we lived in, he taught me how to paint walls. And we painted the entire apartment to renovate it. We had renovated the entire, all the other three apartments to allow the tenants to live in better conditions. But the place that we lived, we, we didn't touch because we had to... Uh, budget our finances with uh, renovating three apartments, which I had never done. We hired handyman and professionals, but then for the four, he said, you need to learn to paint. You need to learn this new skill. Every woman in America pretty much knows how to paint walls and you don't. <laughs> so that was another um, 
it's strange because when you're groomed for a, as a violinist and you say, oh, you might be a soloist one day or play in this prestigious orchestra, you never think that you're going to paint walls or address wounds uh, to strangers or deal with all these very unusual things that a nurse uh, can do. And then you go to that level of completely new perception of the world and you will understand reality much better, how shielded you have been through your music career for almost three decades. Mm-hmm. And it's a very groundbreaking experience it really brings you to the ground so to speak and you realize wow I really knew very little about the world and about myself and my abilities and other people's abilities that I have been underestimating and it was really great to learn all these new things and come along wow so and I can only imagine being a child violinist that you had a lot of pressure on you and a lot of eyes on you, you know, that like you said, your culture was the exact opposite, you know, in a lesson in humility. So I can understand that I'm sure that had to be a lot of stress. So I want to get into like, you have some very great points on how we can apply self-confidence just in different areas of our lives. So one of the things that I saw just through research is how you said that poorly designed priorities can get in the way of anybody's self-confidence and it can impact our decision-making. So, and I do tie self-confidence into self-love. Loving yourself also gives yourself that confidence you know, to just not have any self-doubt, no self-deprecation, things like that. And like you mentioned, there's a fine line with someone being confident. And sometimes we falsely think it's being arrogant, but it's not necessarily being arrogant just to have a sense of pride is important, actually. So can you get deeper into how having poorly designed priorities can get in the way of self-confidence and just our simple decision-making? Um. I would love to do that. I just want to address your point about self-love, which is a great point. Self-love is hard to do sometimes when you haven't seen results from yourself. Um, And self-confidence also comes with certain results. But uh, the trouble is when you start something new or whatever you start, you always go through unexpected, uh, surprising events that you didn't plan for. And that's what makes many people give up and eventually not achieve the goal and not loving themselves so much. The trick is to learn to love yourself and be self-confident while you're going through each and every challenge of a particular goal. But that's really hard to do. And uh, I admit that it took me a very long time. And when you achieve a couple of things, then you say, okay, I did this. So now I can do this. I can do this. Just be patient, trust the process. And as far as the priorities, the poorly designed priorities come from the uh, fact that many people, and I was very much uh, guilty of the same thing, we just don't have a long-term plan for our, um, we don't have goals for long-term prosperity, where we want to be in life 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. And it's easy not to have goals when you're young because you think you have all this time in front of you. And it's very deceptive because the second you hear 30 or 32, you realize, oh, time is actually running out. I'm 32 and here I am. I have nothing to show for it. And then we were 38 and 40, you're like, oh, now time is really running out. And by then you better have some plan for what you want to look like when you're 65 or 60, because we know with the 2008 economic crisis, so many 65-year-olds, 60-year-olds, people before retirement, they lost their entire retirement funds because they were counting on their 401ks and they didn't have any better plan than just cost on the job for however many years, 30, 35 years, and then retire comfortably and 
get taxed the heck out of you know, with the 401k once you withdraw it, you get all these taxes and you see that your retirement fund is actually much less than you thought it was. But then when the stock market crashes, like in a situation like 2008, you lose everything. And if you don't have priorities, if they're poorly designed, so you think you have priorities, but actually lots of, many people have short-term priorities. Oh yeah, next year we're going to do that. Hey, in two years, maybe. But what about 30 years from now? What about 20 years from now? Are you going to regret the decisions that you took or didn't take now, 20 years from now? Mm. This is the very important question. And people don't ask that question of themselves too often. They go with conventionally... um, accepted ways to uh, prosper in life, like get the job and then retire, change jobs if you don't like. And right now, the pace of events is so fast that you have to be much more adaptable to changes. And within your priorities, uh, as far as what you want to achieve in 10, 20, 30 years, you have to adjust that plan, but never lose sight of your final goal of what you want to become as a human being and what example you want to leave to your children or uh, anybody you respect or you want to be respected by. Mm, right. I, that's very true. You know, just self-confidence and self-love. I just really feel like it's, it's interspersed, you know, and it is important because like you said, it does affect our decisions. It affects our future. Just everything just ties in together. Another important point that I wanted to touch on, which I really liked, was how to choose relationships with people who align directly with your goals and dreams. So just as you mentioned, just self-love and how we make decisions for ourselves, in addition, the people that we allow into our lives can definitely have a direct effect on our future, our decisions, our goals, dreams, and especially, you know, having low vibrational people in your life can really bring you down, you know, so many different elements on who we align with. So can you dive deeper into how we can choose relationships with people that will design directly with our goals? Yeah, that's one of the toughest tasks, probably, for a person who has ambitions different from the ambitions of the people around them. We're always afraid that we may hurt their feelings or offend them or get judged and rejected. At some point, you have to overcome that. However, if you realize that the environment you're in is not contributing in any way to your prosperity or to your goals, you will have to find a way to distance yourself from them. So you either uh, say you're in a relationship that really isn't working with your intimate partner. You can uh, say the partner, look, you need to leave. It's really, we're not, it's just not meant to be. In case of family members um, that are close by, that impede your plans, and that's the the closest relatives can be the ones that can be the poorest influences in our lives, unfortunately. I mean, you have to be honest about that. Um, Many times that isn't the case, but there is a reason many people like to distance themselves from their parents and siblings when they grow up because they just want to get on their own path. And uh, especially in the United States, that used to be true until very recently when now people have to move in together because of financial constraints. But when you are um, afraid that you're going to hurt others' feelings, you don't advocate for yourself and you tend to neglect your own needs and aspirations, right? But with relationships, if you are not able to distance other people from yourself that are not contributing or are actively trying to sabotage your efforts, then you have to find a way to distance yourself from them. You can no hard conversations are necessary just make yourself less and less available gradually to these people and the ones that you find worth of keeping the relationship with you're always going to be there for them and show up for them that's perfectly fine but you need to prioritize 
just like you prioritize your time of the day, uh, how many hours of TV am I going to watch rather than research financial strategies to improve my financial situation. You need to also research your, uh, the reasons you are hanging around certain people. And some pretty cruel and harsh uh, self-improvement coaches will tell you maybe one or two people of your life are justified to hang around. Everybody else is not justified. And that sounds very harsh. It's pretty shocking when you hear it first, but then you start thinking about it like, oh, that's not so far from the truth after all. (laughs) Now, I definitely understand what you mentioned about family and friends. Sometimes you really do have to distance yourself. But what would you say for people who have gotten in those situations? I have personally, sometimes there is a level of guilt associated, you know, and it is hard to deal with because the average person you think has these happy-go-lucky family and friends, like something out of television. But in reality, like you said, a lot of times it's some of the people closest to us that actually contrast our dreams and goals. So in order to have positive mental health. Sometimes a lot of us are faced with a tough decision where we have to distance ourselves from people that we really care about. So do you have any thoughts on how people can handle the guilt or just the mixed feelings that comes with that? I could dedicate a whole chapter in the book on relationships. Um, and I'm discussing four types of partners, basic types of partners. I mean, your partner can be a combination of, of two or three of these factors, but depending on your situation, it's best to distance yourself if you have to, if you absolutely have to, if you can't have this person understand your intention and uh, help them cooperate with you while you mutually respect each other's goals, uh, given that they also have goals like you do, right? They don't have to build your goals, but as soon as you're with somebody who has goals, um, you can make it work because they will understand that your goals are just as important as theirs. But if you have to distance yourself, again, depending on the situation, if you're in an abusive relationship, you really shouldn't be there in the first place. That is a no-brainer. Um, and unfortunately, people in abusive relationships, because they don't know any other situation, they tend to either go back to the abusive relationship when they distance themselves or choose another abusive relationship because that's all they have seen, if that's the example from their parents or their partner in the past. But there are many ways to distance yourself. And again, it doesn't have to be uh, to offend the other person or hurt their feelings in a way that they'll say, oh, now you don't love me anymore. But, but you have to say, look, this is really important to me. And I have to, I have to try because I will regret years from now if I don't try that. And I still love you. And I know your needs and everything. I can be here for you, but I need to focus on this endeavor right now because I really, it's important and it's worthwhile to me. Mm -hmm. Try to convince them first. And again, many times it doesn't work, but you have to find the strength in yourself. You recognize that they're not understanding and they're not um, kind of in tune with your, they're not respecting your wishes. Um, You you can always leave. Mm. You can always Mm. leave. And men in many ways are better at this than women are, right? Because we're more, we have the more sense of guilt that now we're leaving the loved one and it's just hard, but if, if it's worthwhile to you, it, it's just like every other thing that is new. If you right. have to distance yourself, just just leave. Just leave. Just like you can leave a job that you hate. You mm-hmm. can leave a relationship that isn't working, but you have to be honest with yourself and say that really isn't working. And I cannot make it better. I've tried so many times, but it's a two-way thing. It's not right. just your initiative. It it's, it's, uh, takes two to tango. Right, right. 
And I think, like you said, I think a lot of times women, we have extra guilt with that because we're natural nurturers and we always have a need sometimes to want to fix things. You know, so I just think it's that motherly, nurturing, caring instinct sometimes. Not for every woman, but for the average woman that does cause some difficulties in separating things. And we're also taught sometimes when we make certain decisions, we're going to be labeled as mean, as opposed to realizing it's really being kind to yourself to have healthy boundaries and barriers and saying no. So I want to ask some additional questions with self-confidence. I wanted to shift into how our self-confidence helps with our physical health. So I know another one of your points is how to maintain and bolster excellent physical health. So how does self-confidence tie in how we take care of our bodies? Because sometimes, you know, obviously the self-care and the self-love, there's different compartments. There's the internal, but there's also the external. So how can we tie in self-love and self-confidence and how we take care of ourselves physically? This is also a matter of priority. You need to make the time to take care of yourself physically. You um, develop a diet that's healthy. Uh, for instance, uh, see, I've been vegan for four and a half years. My boyfriend and I, we, we don't get sick. We don't take any pharmaceutical drugs. And then the physical activity is just so important. Uh, people tend to neglect that because of care for family and loved ones. It's a also two-way street. In many ways, if you start taking care of yourself, you develop that self-confidence because you're doing something so good for yourself. You don't have to be self-confident first to start taking care of yourself, but rather use the care for yourself to develop that self-love and confidence that you can do it and you can do very well and persevere through temptations and other people's remarks and um, it, it's difficult with the relationships and the healthy lifestyle because many of the people you're around don't necessarily follow a healthy lifestyle, right? And we like to use them as an excuse for us not to follow a healthy lifestyle. But if you are suffering from low self-esteem and low self-confidence, perhaps it's time for you to take really good care of yourself and stop caring so much about what others think about you. This mm -hmm. is a very important skill in life. Mm. That's not wor don't worry what others think about you. It's not your business. Mm. It's their problem. Mm. Your business is to learn to be self-reliant, self-sufficient, and independent in any way you can in your life to achieve perpetual health and perpetual wealth. Nothing mm. else is important because if anything bad happens, uh, it's very highly unlikely that others will take as good care of you as you can take of yourself if you put your mind into it. And you see the true value in appreciating yourself and uh, doing the right thing for your body, for your mind, and dedicating the time for that. Mm, I agree. I definitely agree. It's 100% true. I think sometimes we hurt ourselves because, like you said, we're so concerned on what someone else thinks of us or how someone else will respond. And it's really a waste of energy. So I definitely 100% agree with that. So something else I want to ask you, which I really like this take on this, because I think sometimes we forget how self-love and self-confidence and just our decisions in general will affect us on a financial level. So how is it, another point is how to gain spiritual and financial satisfaction from your career choice. Now, I know, like you said, you previously were a violinist, you shifted to be a nurse. And I think right now, like we're in a great resignation. A lot of people are realizing they are 
have a lot of, they're not satisfied in their career choices. You know, a lot of people have seen life or death up close since 2020 and people are making better decisions on how our career choices affects our mental health and how it ties in our self-love and confidence. So again, how can you gain spiritual and financial satisfaction from your career choice? And how do self-confidence? Uh, there are two ways to do that. The first thing you need to do is learn to love your job for your own sake, for your learn- long-term um, prosperity standpoint. There are always um, things that the job that you don't like, but you need to be able to see the bigger picture as to what you're learning as expanding your skills in life for your further goals. And with the career, the most important part is to always feel that you're helping others. If you see the appreciation in your clients, patients, whoever you're serving, that makes the career very satisfying. Now, granted, there are some people that you work with and um, you try to serve the best you can and they will never, they will do anything but help you feel appreciated. But usually those are a minority if you really do your best to do your job 100%. So you can't slack on the job. You don't text on the job or do your social media that we see so often. You have to be fully dedicated once the client is in front of you or once you are, say, you're answering a call from a patient to a doctor. That happens to me all the time because I call on behalf of my patients to a doctor's office, um, answering person calls. And I say, hi, my name is Alexander Dotchev. I'm a home care nurse with such and such agency. I'm calling on behalf of such and such patient. Say, oh, okay, yeah, let me let me get to the computer right here. So what is your name? So she has lost the conversation the second I we start. She's not paying attention. That's where you can tell that the person hates their job. Mm. Those that love their job say, oh, yeah, hi, Alexandra. Very nice. Let me put this up as you're with such and such agency. She already has registered everything I have said from the very beginning. So the second that client comes to you, game is on. And that's where the job starts. And that's where you show them your entire concentration and dedication to them, to their needs, so that you can make their day better and make a difference in their life. That's the spiritual satisfaction with the career. Now, financially, that's different because not every career and most careers won't make you rich or wealthy. Because that's not your employer's job. But it's very important what to do with your money once you earn it. Mm -hmm. And in your free time, you learn how to expand your money by investing in strategic way that is in alignment with your goals for 10 to 20 years from now. Because there are countless ways to make money and expand your financial basis through investing. But you have to spend the time to learn about these investment vehicles to make the efforts from your job worthwhile when you see that what you have uh, saved at the end of the month, you can expand it without the means of a job, but with your knowledge on investment vehicles that reward you accordingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, that is some very good points that I think, you know, you can't tell when someone does not like the environment that they're working in because there's something that you can't hide. And I do agree, you know, obviously we promote entrepreneurship on the platform, but that's not for everyone. But I do also feel if you choose to work a traditional job, you have to find, like you said, some type of satisfaction with it. Or if not, you will be miserable. And that energy is something that you can't put a mask on. People will feel that that you are not dedicated and you, you're receiving nothing out of this situation. This is something that you can't hide. And at least is severe unhappiness. So one last it also, sorry to interrupt, but it also applies to business owners and entrepreneurs because there are people who leave their jobs to go into business for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. There are many entrepreneurs like that, and that's why their businesses fail, right? I, I do have three real estate businesses, and they've been going great. I manage them myself. 
and um, I'm both a work, uh, worker bee and entrepreneur, right? Uh, it's great to be able to do both business and a job so you can see both sides of the coin, right? Mm -hmm. But whatever you do, uh, you have to do it passionately. And it's not just a job. There are many entrepreneurs, unfortunately, who are just as unsatisfied with their efforts as people who are working for someone else. Right. That is a good point. You're right, because if you do go into a business as an entrepreneur and you don't, and at the end of the day, we all have to have purpose behind what we're doing. So like whether you're working for someone or working for yourself, there's no purpose behind it. It, like you said, that energy is obvious and it will lead to just a source of unhappiness, which is never worth it. So one last thing I want to ask you is how to gain spirituality into how to integrate that into your goals and dreams. I know you mentioned spirituality before, and I think that's something that sometimes people don't realize how spirituality does lead into having a positive energy, positive mindset how we have our self-confidence and our self-love is our spiritual connections. So how can we integrate spirituality in our goals and dreams? You can do this by appreciating every small thing that happens in your day that hasn't gone wrong. And if you develop that mindset, you will recognize that there are many, many things in your day that could have gone wrong under many circumstances, but they really don't. And a lot of your day actually works great if you're able to appreciate the little things in your life whether that will be you're driving to work or to your office, to your business office, and you just look at the weather and what's around you. And there are many ways to appreciate every moment of your life. Um, meditation, of course, is an extremely powerful way to um, relax your mind and get into the moment. And the ultimate goal of meditation, when you're adept at it in your solitary environment, in your room where you're meditating, then you apply it to every activity of your day as if you're meditating, but you're actually completely focused on your activity, what you're doing and the people you're talking with, but it's a form of meditation because you savor every moment of it and try to make it better and better. This is one way to uh, integrate spirituality with your daily activities. The other um, just as important aspect of spirituality as clearing your mind is uh, finding inspiration in the small things of your day. If you're able to appreciate certain moments of your existence on a daily basis that inspire you to make things the next day just a little bit better or think of a different way to talk to people or perform a particular job or anything, really, that's a constant life learning process that you evolve into a better and better version of yourself. That's where mm -hmm. spirituality lies for me. Of course, it's different for everyone. So I just can't speak for myself at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. So before we end everything, like you said, self-confidence is something as you experience, you didn't always have. And a lot of us, once we get older, we tend to look at life differently and we realize there's different points in our lives. So we didn't apply self-confidence. We didn't apply self-love. And that was the gaping hole in some things that may not have worked out in the past. And I think right now, everyone is at a different crossroads where a lot of us really are seeking a better life, seeking to be happy, seeking to just have a life that's less negative, applying manifestation, having more positive lives. So lastly, what would you say to someone who like yourself, 
they didn't have the self-confidence for a huge amount of time in their life. But now they're maybe 30 plus, 40 plus, 50 plus, and they want to start finding value in themselves to just simply be happier. And like you said, it really is simple, a holistic approach to self-confidence. So what would you say to that person who's struggling that wants to gain that self-confidence? What are just, how can they start to find that way to get some peace in their lives and really apply self-confidence? You start by analyzing every uh, thing in your life that you perceive as a problem and start solving it one by one, piece by piece, honestly. The more problems you solve, the more confident you become. There is no better way to develop self-confidence than by solving problems. But these are not the problems that you invent. These are the real problems in your life that you don't want, that you have been circumventing for a long time. You don't make new problems before you solve your old problems, your current problems, the elephants in the room. That's how you develop self-confidence. And then you can step up and do the new things that you want. But you have to clear your life from the things that have prevented you from being successful in the first place. And in order to do that, you have to face these problems that have been either inflicted on you or you have inflicted on yourself with your indolence of mind by not addressing them timely or for years even. You got to face these um, issues that you perceive of stopping you from achieving what you want, the real issues. You have to be honest with yourself. And then once you solve all these little and big things, you will be at a whole new level with your self-confidence. I agree. I agree. Thank you so much for this conversation. You have really touched on some great points on how we can apply self-confidence to have a fuller and richer life in every aspect in our lives. So before we end everything, please tell everyone how they can purchase your book. It really is simple, a holistic approach to self-confidence and how they can also get further information about you, website, contact information. Just go ahead and tell everyone how they can connect with you. So the website is www.holisticselfconfidence.com, no dashes. And the book can be purchased through the website. We have a paperback and ebook format. Also, I am making it available on Amazon. Actually, it already is available on Amazon. So either way, whatever is easier for you. And they can get in touch with me through the contact form on the website if they have any questions. I also started a blog and it has other information about me and uh, the book. So it's www.holisticselfconfidence.com. They can follow me on Facebook through the website if they choose to. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this conversation. And I love how you have applied, not only have you applied self-confidence in your booklet, but you have done the work. You have given examples on how that has also worked in your life, which I think is so important when people are transparent and they are honest and say, hey, I did not always have these tools. This is how I applied it to my life. And now here are the results. So I definitely appreciate you giving us this information and I know it will inspire people I love how you broke down a lot of things on how we just simply apply self-confidence we can have a better life because a lot of people are struggling in silence and they're not sure exactly how they can have a better life for themselves so I definitely do appreciate you I have found that the books I've read that uh, reveal uh, the author's personal struggles in more detail they have been more helpful to me and if yeah. they just tell you, oh, do this, this, and this, but it, it, that aggravates people and uh, it's better to relate in a personal level. So mm-hmm. I figured I might as well tell the whole story and I have nothing to hide. 
I haven't gone through anything that other people haven't been through. And there have been people in much worse situations than mine mm-hmm. with self-esteem and self-confidence. So, but it's a thorough system which works and it's been tested by me. I, I've done it and I still do it. So if, mm-hmm. if, if this can be helpful, I'll be more than happy. So hopefully they enjoy it. Thank you so much. So guys, this was Alexandra Dolceva. And please go ahead and check out her book, It really is simple, a holistic approach to self-confidence. And just remember, just like self-love, having that self-confidence and just understanding your value and your worth, you really can have peace in your life and achieve better. And I know a lot of us as young people were taught, you know, be careful on bragging or thinking too much of yourselves. But if you think about it really deeply, sometimes we were self-conditioned to truly not understand our worth and we stifled ourselves. So there is a fine line with maybe being bolsterous or being arrogant and thinking that you're better than people. But one thing you have to remember is like Alexandra said, what people think of us is really none of our business. And sometimes what we think is being mean is in actuality being kind to ourselves. At the end of the day, we're the only person responsible for our happiness. So it is important to apply that self-love, apply that self-confidence. To put yourself first is not being selfish. So please always remember to live your best life, remove elements that are hindering you, do whatever you can to live a better life and have peace and to remember your worth and value. So thank you guys for tuning in. You can catch this episode and more, www.thekeychat.com. And just remember, have that self-confidence, be safe and go love yourself. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. Go queen, go queen, go queen, go. Represent, you're a queen, you're a queen, oh.